one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Hope Jernigan, and I am the Executive Director of Magdalene St. Louis. Hopefully some of you have heard about us. I'm also an ordained Episcopal priest, and I'm just so glad to be with you here this morning. I worshipped here while I was in college, um, and actually have a few college friends who are here this morning too, so um, it's nice to be back in this familiar space. And I really couldn't think of a more appropriate reading this morning than the story of the Samaritan woman when it comes to telling you all about the good work that we're doing at Magdalene St. Louis. Magdalene is a community of women who are survivors of sexual exploitation and addiction. We offer them a home to live in for up to two years in a community where they can heal together and learn what it means to be, what it means to be able to be in a loving and trusting community where their healing and health is the most important thing. And the story of the Samaritan woman is one where we are charged to dig deep and to look at a whole person rather than what's seen on the surface. I'm going to recap it for you because that was a long reading. So Jesus is walking through Samaria. Samaria is a different country than Israel. And the history between Israel and Samaria is one that's fraught with enmity It's one um, where Jews would typically walk all the way around Samaria to get where they were going rather than have to walk through and encounter a Samaritan. Not Jesus, because this is what Jesus does. He walks through Samaria and comes to a well and encounters a woman there, and it's about midday. And he asks the woman to draw some water for him. This is unusual for a lot of reasons. First, as I said, because Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. They held nothing in common. Second, because she's a woman, and it would be very rare for a man to speak to a woman alone. And third, this situation is pretty unique because this is a woman who's at the well in the middle of the day. Typically, women would go to draw water from a well either first thing in the morning or late at night, later in the evening, when it was cooler. And it was something they did together as a social activity. So that this woman is here alone in the middle of the day says something about her social standing in the community. It's probably pretty clear that she had some reason to be excluded from the other women in her community. So Jesus approaches her and asks her to draw water. And she questions what's going on because she knows that he's not supposed to be talking to her, that this would not be a common thing to happen. And so she asks him, you know, this is, what are you doing? Um, And Jesus goes on to talk with her about this living water, the living water that will quench any thirst such that you'll never have to drink again. And she listens to him. And the disciples are, what the gospel says, astonished that Jesus is having this exchange with this woman And then we find out that the woman has had five husbands, and the man she's currently living with is not her husband. So we have a lot of reasons now to consider this woman unapproachable or maybe even unlovable. She's a foreigner, she's a woman, she's a woman with an apparently sketchy past. Most of the times that I have heard people talk about this passage from John, either in a sermon or in a Bible study, we get to the part about her having had five husbands 
and the fact that she's currently living with a man she's not married to. And we don't do much with that information because we know this kind of woman. We don't have to say much more about this scandalous situation that she's in. We already know. She's a woman with questionable values. She's a woman who's made immoral decisions. She's a woman who doesn't value the sanctity of marriage. But let's think very carefully about the time and context for this story. It would be extremely rare for a woman to up and leave her husband once, much less five times. Meanwhile, it was extremely easy for a man to divorce a woman. Women didn't have any agency. They were property of their husbands. And for a woman, the only pathway to economic security is through marriage. Maybe each of the five husbands left her. Maybe they, too, found something inherently unlovable about her. Maybe some of the husbands died. The truth is, we don't know. But we read this story, and we think we know. The disciples think they know. But what if we decided to listen to what's not being said before we decide for, for her what her history has been? What if we identify that a woman who's coming to the well in the middle of the day for the purpose of avoiding her peers, a woman who's been in at least five broken marital relationships, is a woman in pain? What if we started not with assumptions, but with compassion? One thing that's essential for our work at Magdalene is that we also begin with compassion. You can make countless assumptions about women in our community. Many people think they know about women who need our services, women like that, women who can't get off drugs, who make poor choices about their children, who resort to exchanging sex for money or food or shelter or drugs. It's not uncommon for people to look at women like those from Magdalene and think, what's wrong with you? That's what we do when we judge someone, right? And the very, the very end of that is that question, what's wrong with you? But at Magdalene, we start with a different question. What happened to you? Because like the Samaritan woman at the well, if we take time to listen to what's not being said, we'll pretty quickly come to understand that women come to us from pain. What we know of women who are involved in sexual exploitation is that nearly all of them endure repeated traumas or abuse from an early age. This could be repeated physical or sexual abuse. It could be... Um, a parent or a caregiver who is struggling with addiction or the incarceration or abandonment of a caregiver. What we also know is that women who endure these traumas typically don't have access to resources to help them heal. So they're much more likely to experience repeated trauma and eventually end up in a cycle where trauma and numbing are the only things they know. Most of them are sexually exploited because that is the only way they can find security, a sense of belonging, or a livelihood. Many of them exchange sex for drugs because drugs are the only mechanism they have to cope with the pain they endure. There's so much pain. What we begin with at Magdalene is the assumption that women in our community are survivors of significant pain. And what we offer at Magdalene is a road to healing through love. We believe that loving, trusting relationships can actually change your brain chemistry and begin to help you heal. It's the same love without judgment that Jesus offers the woman at the well. It's the same love without judgment that Jesus offers every one of us. 
She's not rebuked. She's not turned away. She's offered love and transformation. Jesus meets us in our woundedness and pain, and that's where love can begin to transform. So I mentioned to you all that I spend my days as the executive director of Magdalene St. Louis. I spend almost all of the rest of my time with my three children, ages six, four, and two. Um, it's a busy life. <laughs> and because that's how I spend the rest of my time, I have really gotten to know the ins and outs of Disney's most recent um, animated feature film, Moana. Has anybody seen it? Just a few. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil it. I think you all should see it. It's an incredible movie. It's actually now probably in my top five movies of all time. Not just children's movies, but just movies of all time. It's um, a beautiful movie. What I will tell you is that this is a movie that changes the way that we think about pain and healing. It's so different from most children's movies out there, and I've seen a lot of them. Um, <laughs> we Typically in children's movies, we have a villain and a hero, and the hero's job is to somehow end the villain by killing or banishing or you know, making the villain go away forever, and then the hero is able to do what the hero set out to accomplish. Think the Lion King, or Little Mermaid with Ursula, the villain. Um, there are probably, you can probably think of tons of examples of this. The hero, or the villain dies, the hero wins. But in this movie, our hero is a girl named Moana, and she comes face to face with her villain and realizes that what the villain needs is healing, not ending. Moana bravely stares pain in the face and offers restoration. It was actually my four-year-old daughter who said it best when we were watching this movie for about the 60th time together. And we get to the villain part where Moana is confronting the villain and she, my daughter turns to me and says, that's not a bad guy, Mama. She's just hurt. What if we did that more? What if we looked at one another and ourselves and recognized our sources of pain and offered them up for healing rather than judgment? What we see over and over in Jesus' encounters with others is the way that his love transforms. There's really no one that he comes across in all four of the Gospels who comes away from an encounter with Jesus and isn't changed or healed in some way. But this way of being in a relationship requires a lot of bravery. It takes bravery to be seen in our pain, to offer our pain and vulnerability up and to let other people really see it. And it takes bravery to see pain and to not judge. And not only judge, but to just be with someone in their pain rather than constantly trying to fix it to offer love and companionship rather than judgment. The Samaritan woman, a brave woman, looks at Jesus face to face, and rather than hanging her head in shame, she states who she is and the story of what has happened to her. He does not judge or condemn. He says to her, I am the one who will transform you. I am the one who will set you free. At the well, he promises his healing waters, such that she will never thirst again. 
And the most brilliant part of the story is one that I think we could really easily overlook, and I did overlook it until uh, someone pointed it out to me, is that after he tells her this, after he says, I am the living water, such that you will never thirst again, she goes off back to the city to tell other people about the Messiah. And in verse 28 it says, then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She had gotten the water that she needed, and it wasn't water from the well. The good news for all of us, whatever our brokenness and pain might be, is that transforming love is one that drives us to share it with others. Love is a never-ending resource. If we go face-to-face to Jesus with our wounds, ready to be seen, we can truly be changed by love and then share that love with others. The women in the Magdalene community light a candle every week for a woman who is still in the struggle, knowing that they have endless love to give the next woman who walks in their door. How much love do you have ready to spill out to the next person you see who is in pain? How much bravery do you have to allow your pain to be healed? Thanks be to God for his son who sees us never as bad, just hurt and offers a love that will change us forever. Amen.